0: One of the most popular guests ever on the podcast is back. Ladies and gentlemen, please stay tuned for my interview with Brad Lamb.
1: Welcome to the True True Condos Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto.
0: And welcome back to the show. Thanks for listening. Very excited to present today's show to you. Of course, Brad Lamb is the guest. And we've had Brad on before, and it was one of the most popular episodes that we've ever had. Brad, of course, is one of the mule- most outspoken, well, at the same time, most respected voices that's out there in the Toronto real estate market, and certainly in the Toronto condo market. Brad's been doing his thing as the resident condo king of Toronto for a number of decades now. So when it comes to talking to somebody who really knows what they're talking about, uh, somebody who's very smart... And somebody who's extremely experienced and who's made a lot, a lot of money, both uh, as an investor in the condo market, as a developer in the condo market, as a real estate uh, broker in the condo market, uh, it's Brad Lamb. And it's great to speak to Brad and hear what he has to say on the market. And once again, I'm going to be talking to him on today's episode about the market, about what's happening in Toronto. Of course, we're going to also get into Hamilton. And the fact that Brad is going all in on Hamilton, we talked about that before, and he's got a new project there, the first of many projects that he has in his pipeline for Hamilton. And of course, the project is Television City. Television City, and it's also, you may have heard already, the news is out there that this is the first project that I am personally investing in, in 2018. And if you would like to hear more about that, and if you'd like a chance to meet Brad himself, then I've got great news. I have, we have a special event coming up. It's on March the 24th. I'd love to see you there. And you can meet Brad, and you can hear from me. I'm going to be talking and giving a presentation about the reasons why I'm investing myself personally in Television City. So just go to truecondos.com forward slash Live. And there you can register for our live event for meeting Brad and hearing about Television City and why I'm investing there. March 24th, once again, is the date. So without further ado, here is my interview with Brad Lamb. Brad, welcome back to the show. Good to uh, chat with you again as, as before. Um, the last time we chatted, it was one of the top Rated episodes of the podcast ever, so um, people are wow. very excited to hear that's what you've got to say, and I'm looking forward to chatting with you again. Um, it's been a few months since we we talked last. I'm curious to see to hear what what's your take on the market right now, um, the market today as it stands. I'm I'm seeing something in the market. Tell me if you if this is a big thing that's standing out to you, something that maybe has never happened before, where the condo market is red hot and yet the the detached, low-rise housing market, particularly in the 905, is actually struggling. And for the last, you know, how many decades, it's, it's really been sort of the opposite of that, where the houses have always been the hottest product and condos have, have always done well, but never like they've been doing lately.
1: Well, I think it's, I think it's many factors. Um, you know, uh, it's typical to see a high growth in areas where, population is, I'm going to talk about high growth of real estate, pricing and, and, the, and the time to sell being low, typically in areas of high growth where people want to live, where people are moving to, where the birth rates are high, that kind of thing. And the only, the only place uh, in the GTA that's really growing dramatically is, is the city. So if you look at places like Ajax and Pickering and Markham and those kind of places, um, they they, they, sh- they shouldn't have outsized demand. There's no reason why everyone uh, from around the world is going to decide to live in Markham or Pickering. Uh, I think that those neighbourhoods, they were quite stable uh, for always. And then I think they got caught up, uh, you know, from, uh, say, September 2017 to March 2000, or uh, sorry, uh, 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 September 2016, to March 2017, they got caught up in uh, what was going on in the city, uh, specifically with condos and detached market, where we were seeing 30 or 40% price growth. And I just think it got caught up in that, um, and it was just a general frenzy. I don't think it was a real thing. There's, the demand numbers don't bear out that it should be. So I, I think that those markets are where they should be. Um, markets should change based on the demand for their housing, and so why are condos so popular in Toronto? Because we, we have policies, we have, uh, we have provincial policies, we have municipal policies that are greatly restricting the growth of housing downtown. Uh, we have policies that are making it uh, very expensive to do it. Um, and we have far more people that want that kind of housing than we can deliver. So, you know, the supply-demand curve is perfect for uh, someone that owns real estate wants to sell it. And not and not very good for someone that wants to buy it. Are you saying like the the nine hundred five
0: areas in particular overshot themselves for a number of years? Like they just, I the think price, it, the I, prices I, that the price run up in the nine hundred five areas in particular was unjustified. Just there's a lot of land there. there you can keep building. There's uh, no reason why the prices were shooting up for year after year after year after year, and then all of a sudden, boom! Now they've just.
1: Well, I'm not saying that, because I think for for most of the time, there was a reasonable price growth in the 905. If you looked at the Toronto Real Estate Board charts, you'd see that most of the price growth was in the detached housing market and the semi-detached housing market in Toronto, in in, in the 416. And the outlying areas were seeing increases, but nothing like those increases. And the concern was always, who can live downtown in a house? It's going to be so expensive. I think what happened is that people that were maybe... Yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I want to live downtown. I'm looking at a semi-downtown. I'm looking at a condo downtown. And then Mattamy opens up uh, some houses in Alliston and they think, honey, let's go line up. Right. You know, why not? I mean, we'll yeah. get a backyard. And they go up there. There's 1,000 people. Right. And Mattamy says, well, we're going to ask 1.1, but why not 1.25? Let's see what happens. Yeah. There's 1,000 people. There's 50 lots. Right. And they sell out. Right. And they're not selling out based on true market conditions, which are put a house in the market have 20 people come and look at it and get offers. It was, it was basically a crazy auction where there was far more uh, people looking to buy than and lots to sell. And, and so what you're seeing in that market, particularly in the, in, the, in the housing market, the new housing market where they sold lots and houses two years ago, people are selling for less than they paid. But because they overpaid for them from the developer side, they, they, it, it wasn't like I own a house I'm putting it up for sale. Um, it's, right. I'm buying a house new and honey, what's it worth? Well, I don't know. And, and, and a lot of excitement. So I, I think that, I think there was over exuberance that marketplace. I don't think it followed the, tr- the traditional, um, guidelines that economy should follow in any product. And I, I think that we do follow that in Toronto. I think that downtown Toronto has a problem, uh, with supply and demand. There is a problem with supply and demand in 905. Um, but, it's, it, but it is a, a created problem by the provincial government with the greenbelt mm-hmm. policy. There's lots of land. It's just not available. Right. Are you surprised at the
0: strength of the condo market? Are you surprised that we are now into, I want to say, month number 18 or so, where the prices have been appreciating at a, a double-digit rates? Yes.
1: I, I think that... Um, you know, I, I, I knew we would break a $1,000 a foot in a city. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't sure it would happen as fast as it did. I'm, I'm surprised we're cresting to 1200 a foot now. Um, and uh, I, I'm concerned about it. Um, and there's nothing we can do about it. The, the reality is, is that the policies that have been put in place are going to be hard to reverse. Um, and... You know, sometimes the most obvious thing to do is, is not what politicians do. Like, right. your case in point, you think that if you create rent controls where landlords can't raise rents, that your rents will stay stable. But it's been proven in every marketplace where it's happened. The, the opposite happens. And the reason why the opposite happens is that uh, people don't build anything without a profit. Even the government has to, has to somehow pay for their they're dalliances. They have to have, the, you know, they can't lose hundreds of millions of dollars a year on housing. There's, there isn't a budget to do that. So even the government has to have some form of, of framework where at least they're breaking even mm-hmm. on the socialized housing or, right. or, or something to that nature. It has to sustain itself. Or well, where are they going to get the money? Well, in, in, the, in the market in, in Toronto, for instance, in, in the apartment market, no one's going to build apartment buildings. You know, there's the, yeah. the changes that have been done are draconian and the ones being proposed are so asinine that I fear that rents are going to go so high that I, I don't think anyone understands how high they're going to go because what I guarantee your listeners don't know is there's another second part to this Rent Control Act, the Fair Housing Act. And that part is going to, it, going to cause all owners of real estate to register their real estate with the government and the government determines the rent, and the rent is determined every year. So what happens is, now, if a tenant leaves your property, you can ask right. whatever the market bears. Right. In phase two, you cannot. You get to charge right. whatever the increase is year over year. Right. So the only thing left for an apartment owner or an apartment developer, like I'm talking a condo owner or a purpose-built apartment owner, like the one guy or the guy that owns thousands of units, that's the only thing that allows him to keep up with inflation. Because the government rate doesn't keep up with inflation. And it also allows uh, you know, a fair profit. And that's, that, if this current government gets in, again, again yeah. that's going to happen. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you that yeah. there are a few people completing apartment buildings. Most of them have been completed on the basis of being condo strata title. Mm-hmm. And they will convert so fast. Right. And the government's, they're going to they're be trying to create legislation to stop this. But they've caused this to happen. So here's, here's, a, here's something that is, it, I, don't, I don't know how it can be reversed. Because the political will was strong for uh, rent controls for property built 1991, past, after 1991. And now to unwind it. <clears throat> how a government's going to do that? How a liberal government's going to do that? It's not. They've, led the, they've, they've laid the bed here in Ontario or a disaster of a rental market. And so what are you seeing now? You're seeing 500 square foot apartments that I was renting for $1,350 yeah. three or four years ago for renting for 2200 and there's a lineup of people.
0: Yeah, it's literally going up by the
1: week. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, an, can, it's incredible. And yeah. it, I, find it, I find it funny. And I don't find it funny because I want... I, I'm not laughing or I'm finding it funny for the people uh, enduring the misery I find it funny that government, I find it funny that government creates this and will not take one bit of ownership for it. And, and, and you know, everyone out there who votes for liberal governments and NDP governments, I, I, I think there's a lot of great things. That, I'm, a, I'm a liberal. I'm a, probably right, of center liberal. I think there's a lot of great things that those parties stand for. But this particular, this particular issue is going to destroy this city. It's going to make it New York City. And I don't think any Canadian wants Toronto to be New York City.
0: Right. I mean, it's, it's doing exactly the opposite of what they say they're trying to achieve. It's, it, you know, anybody who's in the industry, you're not alone. Like anybody who's in the industry is, is basically saying the same thing that it's, these measures are going to play out the exact opposite way of how the, you know, the, the politicians and those people who are telling them that's a, telling us it's a good thing, uh, say that it's going to, going to play out. It's, it's.
1: Absolutely. It's and backwards. I'll tell you an interesting story. So in two thousand and nine, I'm just gonna. in two thousand and nine, I bought a condo, a new condo in New York City, in, in Chelsea. So uh, it, it was under development. You know, it was their asking at the time in two thousand eight. I first saw it uh, um, nine fifty or nine twenty five, a U.S. and the Canadian dollar crest, mm-hmm. crested just above the U.S. dollar to about a dollar two. And I made an offer on it. It was brand new. It was the, they had sold twelve of the hundred and twenty condos because in New York they build them first and they sell right. them. And I bought it for seven fifty US. It was eight hundred square feet. The asking was nine twenty-five and I bought it for seven fifty. Wow. I understand this is like this is selling anything yeah. in okay. new York City. <laughs> but the point of this is that yeah. I bought that for um uh seven fifty for eight hundred squ- square feet. So I got it for nine hundred and fifty bucks a square foot. Canadian, because the dollar was a par. Right, right. That apartment in Toronto today, would sell for 1.1 $1. $1 million. Right. It's, we're more expensive than <laughs> New York City was in 2009. 2009, right. That's where we're getting. Right. That's where we're at. And, and, it, and we're at because th- that's not happening purely because of supply and de- demand curves. It's happening because the supply curve is being altered by government. Yeah. That's the problem, the supply right. curve. People need to understand, it's not immigration. Our, our country's growing by roughly two hundred and seventy to 310,000 people a year. It's not immigration. It's not the demand side. It's the supply side. And that's why people need to get out and vote about these things. When the, when the municipal elections come up, the people that are stymie, stymieing supply uh, need to get removed. And the people in the provincial government, their stymieing supply need to be removed because it's a supply problem. We need to increase the supply of real estate. And it's, it's agony, agony to get things built there. Well, I mean,
0: you hear that a lot, uh, that sentiment a lot from, from people. Maybe put it in practical terms for people who aren't developers, uh, just, just people who are on the street listening to this, condo investors, retail you know, investors, so to speak. What was it like when you started... You know, when you were developing your first building, say, 10 years ago versus developing a building today in the same kind of part of downtown Toronto, like, what are the, what are the restraints and what are the, the, the barriers that you're up against as a developer to put new product, new supply onto the market?
1: Okay, so let me tell you that I've done condo developments in Montreal, Ottawa, Calgary and Edmonton, and obviously a lot in Toronto. The four jurisdictions or four cities outside of Toronto were a dream to work with. The mayor, <laughs> the, the councillor, yeah. the planners, a dream to work with. It's never been that way in Toronto. It's always been uh, a, 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 an us and them mentality with the planning department and developers. Less so with some developers. Some developers um, prefer to buy rezoned sites. There's developers that go out there and they, they, they want surety. So they buy something rezoned. There's no fight with the city, it's done. Someone else sure. fought the fight. Yeah, We're the kind of firm, because I, I didn't grow up as a billionaire, I, didn't have, I have not been in the business for 60 years and have you know, thousands of acres uh, in North Toronto that <laughs> I bought for a dollar an acre. Right. Right? I started the way you did, selling yeah. real estate one by one and fought for everything I have. And so we, I buy land, use my brain to rezone it and upvalue it, and that's the core of our business. And there's a lot of guys like me. And if you're that kind of person, that kind of developer, you're you, you bat your head against the wall every day, every day. I'll tell you that you know, we have a project called The Bread Company mm-hmm. that we launched. Uh, we did a small internal test in, in our office uh, uh, maybe six months ago just to see if we were right on the style and the price and everything. Right. And people loved it. So we took it all. It's not for sale. And we, we went through the whole rezoning process. Now, this, the OMB is now defunct. It's gone as of April. Uh, you cannot make any applications to the OMB anymore. They still have hundreds of applications to look at uh, because the province changed the, the rules. Uh, the OMB is no longer in existence. They've created a new uh, a tribunal, which functions completely differently than the OMB. Now, we've always used the OMB as a... Uh, is a place of last resort when we can't negotiate with the city. But, but we always appeal our projects to the OMB to make the city deal with us in a serious manner and quickly, to make that timeline as small as it can be. Right. So the, the, the councilor of that ward, uh, we, we attempted to speak to him uh, four months ago. And we were put off, put off, put off, put off, put off. We... Appeal to the OMB, um, we, we, we got within the, the cutoff and we appealed to the OMB this, 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 this project. All our projects that we've t- announced have been appealed to the OMB. So we have our chance in court to say why we think this is the right thing. Okay, I hope you're enjoying this episode so
0: far. Just a quick little timeout here and we'll get back to the interview in a moment. But once again, I just wanted to remind you that if you're interested in learning more about why i personally andrew lafleur the uh host of course of this this podcast truecondos.com if you want to learn a bit more about why i'm investing uh, the first project i'm investing in in 2018 is television city then please come to our live events coming up march 24th it is free of charge and you can also meet brad lamb brad's going to be there and he's also going to be speaking too and it's just going to be a great event to come out to. Uh, you can register RSVP for this event. Save your spot. Seating is very limited. We don't have a uh, big space for this event. So make sure you do reserve your seat right away. Truecondos.com slash live. Truecondos.com slash live. And there you can register for this live event. Okay, back to the
1: podcast. Mm-hmm. This is how crazy this is. So we, So we tried for four months to see this person. I'm a huge investor. I have 600 apartments uh, that we're proposing in his ward, and I'm building 250 now, and I built hundreds, okay? So I've, I've probably spent a billion dollars in this ward, improving the ward, jobs, street, street improvements, millions and millions of money in parks levies and development fees and Section 37 fees. I'm a huge donor to the affluence of that ward. I had a, I had a meeting with him, Yesterday, and I was in Oakville coming back to make it in time, and 22 minutes before the meeting, he canceled the meeting. Hmm. 22 minutes before. And you want to know why? The comment was, oh, we just found out you appealed it to the OMB, so there's no need to meet with you. That's, that, that's the attitude right. of that downtown counselor. Right. Now, that's insanity. Appealing to the OMB preserves our land rights by law. It's not a, it's not a slap in the face. It's not anybody. an either-or thing. No, it's we, we, we want our chance. To, if you don't agree with what we want, we can't agree with what you want. We want someone to rule on that. Sure. But we want to work with you, and we want to work with the city. Right. But if we can't work with you, if you close the door and say, we're not going to work with you, <laughs> and this is what this guy's yeah. done, right? He's like, and I know what he's going to do. He's going to go to the public meeting, and he's going to say, this guy, me, that won't say his name, the tall, six foot five, bald guy that develops in the city, this guy is, you know, he's, he's uh, subverting all the rules and he's going to the OMB so you people don't have a say in things. That's what he's going to say, right. right? The problem with all this is that it's a very antagonistic right. kind of thing. I have no antagonism towards right. anybody unless I, I get that first from them. And so our, our policy is always to try to work with the city, but you can't. You can't work with the city anymore. And and, you could, and by the way, 10 years ago you could. It's gotten far worse. I got my first building, we did a long glass, rezoned in about a year and two months. We finished the thing in four years from start to finish. I'm now, I'm now seven years. Right. Seven years to finish a project. Right, right. It's brutal and it's very hard to sell because you don't know what market you're selling in. Right, right. Uh, it's very, very frustrating and, and a bunch of us are, are not uh, doing work in the city anymore. We're, I am not. I'm not actively buying any more sites in the city of Toronto. Hey,
0: you said that before. That that's. You still are feeling that
1: way. I oh, mean, I won't, uh, it won't change. We have the we have the worst premier ever. Uh, this government's terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an anti-development government. Um, it's an anti-housing government. I don't care what they say. If you're smart and you can read between the lines, it's an anti-housing government. Um, and we have uh, a, a a political system. In Toronto, it doesn't work. The councillor system and the mayoral system doesn't work. It should be party politics. It should be a majority. You, sh- you should be like, it should work like the American, uh, American uh, city governments where stuff gets done. Like, it's brutal getting anything done uh, with the city of Toronto. And, and um, frankly, it's an anti-development sentiment. And so why, why should I risk hundreds of millions of dollars in this city without, without any surety of getting anything done? Like, all we're trying to do is build housing. What's mm-hmm. wrong with that? Right. Just trying to build, actually, stylish, nice housing that improves the city. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with that? But it's a constant fight. So we're taking our business elsewhere. So we're developing in Hamilton. We're developing in Mississauga. Um, and I'm actually... I'm, Mississauga? Yeah. I have a huge really? site in Mississauga. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's no, nice. I'm not saying Mississauga. I've, I've not yet worked in Mississauga. <clears throat> and I've not heard that Mississauga is a joy to work in either. But it can't be worse than Toronto. Okay. <laughs>
0: It's interesting. So yeah, obviously we're, we're, I want to get into uh, the 905 in and Hamilton and Television City in particular um, as we talk more here. How closely do you follow the Vancouver market? And would you say that Toronto is sort of one to two years behind the Vancouver market? We seem to be following a similar pattern to them with they brought in the foreign buyers tax, their market slowed down for a bit, and then it just jumped right back up. Um, we're, yeah. would you say, are we, do you watch Vancouver closely to sort of see where Toronto is going
1: or I don't, is it I, don't a totally different it, I don't watch it on a, in a <clears> daily basis. I watch it to sort of macro events there. And, you know, for instance, I attended a, a banking seminar, like, uh, I think it was six years ago when certain bankers were, were talking about how Toronto was in a bubble and was going to burst and prices were going to collapse in the next six months. They talked about uh, Vancouver and its pricing, and Toronto and its pricing. And the interesting thing is talked about one of the big factors was uh, you know, the condominium market and why the condominium market was becoming a bigger part of Toronto's market. So at that time it was about um, 35% new condo development and 65% new home development. And uh, Vancouver was like percent 92% condo, 8% house. And the reason for that was there was no more lots. And also there was an affordability issue with houses. So people shifted their thoughts to, okay, well, we're never going to get at the house we want, at least not in the foreseeable future. So let's, you know, humans are very adaptable. So let's adapt and we'll buy a condo. Right. And so we were, we were probably 10 years behind Vancouver uh, with the, the movement of people from houses to condos. Right. And so if you look at now Toronto, Toronto is about 75% condo. Uh, in terms of creation of new homes and 25% houses. And it's going to continue that way for the same reasons that happened in Vancouver. So for for that, from that extent, we are following uh, that kind of city's uh, uh, demographic and economic pattern with housing. Um, You know, Vancouver is a very, very left-wing city. Uh, It's politics are different than ours. Uh, The the province is very left-wing and our province typically is not Mm left-wing. Um, you know they have a huge environmental movement there because they've got a lot to lose uh, with that environment, and and you know the, the issue with that city is that it's so close to to Asia, and there's such a huge demand. I mean it's it, you know it's automatic if you're from China and you want to go to Canada or the United States, you're going to settle in you know L.A., San Francisco, Seattle, Portland, Vancouver. That's and there's no those markets are going crazy because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're similar, and I do watch it to a certain extent, but um, they're, they're, the politics is crazy. You know, talking about, like, the vacancy tax is just asinine. Um, the, I, the investor tax is a very bad idea. It's doing nothing. It's, it's not solving any problems. I knew it wouldn't. It was just a political band-aid for re-election, uh, and, she, and she didn't even get re-elected. Um, <laughs> and I think the, 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 the current talk, uh, which is mandating... Uh, low-income housing in condominiums, uh, mandating um, uh, developers to offer their housing first to locals, which is right. what every developer does. Like, right? <laughs> like, you know, when you, when they have these yeah. these uh, these, you know, I've read these things where there's showcases in in uh, Singapore. Sure. they Developers, it's do. the leftovers. Yeah, of it's course the, developers the
0: scraps. Are. When the prices have gone up, they don't need to go sure to sell. Like right.
1: a three hundred unit condo in Vancouver is enormous because there's not much land left. That's a huge building. Right, that would sell out in in forty eight hours with local investors. Right. And yeah. yeah, some those local investors are often Chinese. Right. They're local Chinese. Right? Sure. Uh, so. I think, I think all of those moves are, uh, are just political moves um, and they work for a short period like it worked here because it scares people like, oh, I don't know what I should do. Uh, human beings are, are, are naturally afraid. That's why we've survived so long successfully as a species. So when we see something bad, we run away. That's the first instinct, you know, it's not to fight and uh, so when government introduces things that scares the average person that doesn't know much about real estate. Their inclination is to turtle and do nothing. And that's what happened. This, that's what happened in Vancouver. That's what happened uh, through the spring and the fall here. And, and then, of course, nothing really changed. And so people came back in and they realized, oh my God, there's nothing to buy. And there's 20 people that want to buy the apartment. And I really want to buy an apartment. I've been waiting years and they buy an apartment for more money than it would have cost last year. Right, right. And we're seeing that pattern again and again. Yeah. Um,
0: are you tracking closely the the whole Amazon bid? I'm curious your thoughts on the Amazon bid. Do you think Toronto has a legitimate shot at that? Do you think it matters if we get it or if we don't?
1: No, Toronto doesn't need the Amazon bid. I mean, it wouldn't be good for Toronto. Toronto is a city that is is uh, as a hot real estate market, and it would make it scintillating. And it, what it would do is you got you you know they would draw from Toronto for sure, but they'd have to bring in other people, bringing Canadians and Americans in for those jobs. And uh, there'd be an enormous demand for housing that couldn't be filled quickly. It would cause a crisis of of, uh, pricing for rent and for sale. Um, You know, it's also going to strip a lot of good jobs from other companies that perhaps aren't as stable or as as glamorous as Amazon. Some startups maybe would get uh, pilfered from and suffer. I don't think we need that. I think that should go. I honestly think that, that, that should go to Detroit or Cleveland or Miami cities that don't have a really healthy downtown. Mm-hmm. They should start a campus. Like if Amazon started a campus in Detroit and 55,000 new people, yeah. could you imagine how Detroit would change right. overnight and right. how great it would be for that part of the world? Uh, crime and everything. I mean, it'd just be crazy. Good. Um, parts of Chicago maybe need it. Um, it should be on the East Coast, but it shouldn't be in Canada, and anyways, there's no way it's going to be in Canada. It, politically, there's no way there's second headquarters. They can have a northern headquarters that's smaller, but they can't have their second hub in Canada. I think it's uh, political posturing by Jeff Bezos to put Canada on the list. It's not going to happen.
0: Hmm. What, uh, what's your take on the commercial real estate market in general in the city, and I know you've written about this proposed um getting rid of tax breaks for commercial buildings from the from the current city council and how you think that's a horrible idea um are you bullish on sort of the commercial growth in the downtown core in
1: particular and, and job growth in 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 the city i think that that's a very fragile thing i don't think it's a given that uh this should happen to us and i'll tell you I've had I've spoken to uh, politicians from uh, other cities that come up here, and they want to know, how do we drink? Where's the Kool-Aid we can drink that gets this going? We, we shouldn't automatically assume that 50-story towers happen four or five times a year uh, in our city. And, and there, were, uh, there was a time when we were begging, begging for office workers. It's only 20 years ago. It was 10 years ago. I mean, it wasn't long ago. ago yeah. and, and, and so I don't think we should uh, kill the golden goose. This is, this is the condominium market is more resilient than, uh, because people need to live somewhere, but companies don't need to set up here in Toronto. They can go somewhere else like Amazon. Yeah. I think we want to, I think we want to continue to stimulate the growth of the city as a commercial, uh, tech banking, insurance, um, medical, uh, all of that's biomedical, all that stuff. And I, I, think we should continue to give the stimulus That stimulus is so important. I mean, the the tax breaks are relevant. Property taxes are are such a small amount of revenue. But think about all the tax revenue, like all the jobs, the thousands of jobs. And, you know, in one high rise, you got 5,000 jobs. Right. How much does that generate in tax revenue? In GS or in HST alone, right? Mm -hmm. Then these people buy, uh, you know, they, they live in the city, they buy... A uh, the land transfer tax goes to the city, which is like nine hundred million dollars a year, and growing. Uh, I just, I just think that uh, we want to stimulate development in this city, not destimulate it. And, and that's another, you know, what it comes from is arrogance, right? Like these the city councils, ah, you know, look at all this stuff. It's a, it's a pain in the neck. All this development. Yeah. all my constituents are bugging me because of, they can't park downtown and they can't drive down the streets and I, so congested and mm-hmm. there's all this noise and dirt and it's like, you should be so lucky. Right. <laughs> this is, this is like a gift, man. Yeah. Most and cities
0: don't have that, pro- these problems.
1: And by that. the way, it's not going to last forever. It won't, we're going to grow to a point and then it's going to be a lot harder to grow and we should grow to that point. And then, you know, and, and then take a break. We're not there yet, man. And I think that, that, uh, the, the wrong people are are the wrong people are in these government positions. They're not the right people to run this city. They're not experienced or experts in anything. Uh, the qualifications to become a city councilor is what? Similar to a real estate agent, I guess. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. Over eighteen. <laughs> Except you have to take a test to become real. Yeah. You have to take six courses, which they're not that easy yeah. these days. You have to write the test and pass takes you several years as a counselor. It's all name recognition. If you did something in a neighborhood Mm -hmm. or your dad did Mm -hmm. and your name is recognizable or your mom did or your husband did people vote for who who knows, who knows what good counselors do. Most people haven't a clue what a counselor does. They don't know. And they don't know the power that counselors have. They can totally fuck up our city. Right. On mass. And these, I just read these things. I'm like, oh, God. People need to understand this stuff. We cannot stop the train. So, are you going to run for office? No, I didn't run for office. <laughs> All that leads to the question. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I think that you can influence, you know, I think being influential, I think if you, if you have a, 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 an ability to influence people, you should. And, and nothing that I'm saying is insane. Like, I'm not off on one wing or the other. I'm right down the center. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been, I've been bitching about the car ban on King Street. I think there should be a car ban on King Street eventually. Right. But this is not Copenhagen. Right. This is not Copenhagen, man. We, 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 <laughs> people have not been weaned off cars for right. 20 years. Right. You can't turn the tap off and say, cars are okay. Tomorrow, cars are not okay. Right. We need to do it in stages, and we need to develop the street before we abandon the street. So we've completely abandoned King Street. We've ruined King Street. And, you know, the, the answer is, well, you know, you have to wait for all the beautification that's going to happen. What? You should have beautified <laughs> it and then close it to cars. Right. So in the meantime, what are people supposed to do? It's a ghost. You know, I live in Theater Park. Right. King street next to the yeah. Royal Alex theater. Right. I used to be able to walk out and get a taxi. Now, is it normal to be able to be in a city and, and hail a taxi and not have to phone one?
0: seems a pretty normal well, thing to I do. I think
1: in any big city in the world, yeah. you walk out, you're there on a busy Th- that's, street. That's yeah. front and center in center of the universe in Toronto, right there. It takes me 25 minutes to get a taxi now. <laughs> I, I'm just what the fuck are all the taxis? They're just gone. They're gone because they're there's no gone. pedestrians Well, there. there's no pedestrians, so they don't choose to go that way. And it's also very confusing for them. They can go up one block and down this way. So like, they go down, they go, what they do is they go down Simcoe Street, and they beetle along uh, Wellington or Front. That, they're avoiding all the buildings, all the people that live on King Street, right. all the businesses, all the right. restaurants. You, can't, you come out of a restaurant on King Street, you want to get a taxi? You can't. So how, how, are those restaurants going to survive? Right. You can't get a taxi. You're drunk. You don't want to get in your car. You want to get a taxi. You right. can't get a taxi. You got to walk three blocks to find a taxi. Yeah. That's not smart. Mad won't be happy about that. Right? Drunk drivers. Uh-huh. The whole sure. thing is just so badly conceived mm-hmm. and it's, and it's these guys and women running our, our city. And what do they know? I just, I don't, I, are any of them specialists in urban design? Do any of them know anything about cities, really? Do they have any knowledge of anything to do with running a city except being a counselor for a year or two and Mm -hmm. learning, you know, as it gets thrown at you? There, there needs to be a higher level for these people. To, they make the decisions. Yeah. Their power is absolutely... No, no, I mean, just
0: devil's advocate, obviously. A lot of people would say the King Street thing has been a big success because uh, the streetcars are packed and, and the streetcars are flowing faster and better than they ever have before. Um, and they would say, you know, the eliminating cars on King street, you're really only eliminating, you know, a few people versus the the people in the streetcars. That's way more people. And the the, the parking spots you're eliminating are a small fraction versus the parking spots that are available off of King street. Those are the kind of things people are saying. What, what is your, what do you say to to the people who say that?
1: Everything is linked. So again, I'm not saying we shouldn't ultimately ban cars. I think right now what we should be doing is we should be saying, like I'm going to tell you right now, it's what it's 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 one. Well, is my watch the right time? Is it one thirty? Yeah, okay, 1.30. Yeah. So, right now, if if there were uh, there was no you know uh, if this King Street project wasn't active now, you could go outside and get a streetcar, and you go every, anywhere you want to go with no problem, no cars, nothing. There's no problem in the city from uh, nine o'clock to off 4, peak, four o'clock. Okay, yeah, 9 o'clock off to 4 peak. Yeah. and there's no problem from 6 or 6.30 to 2 in the morning. No problem. The streetcars are not full at 1 in the morning or 12 at night. Why are we banning cars? Right. So what we should be doing is we should have done traffic studies, and we should have said, okay, these are the hours where there's no cars allowed, and then people work around them. So people will take streetcars. They will make an effort to to stay off the roads. But it's crazy when you you, want to get through this city uh, in any kind of uh, meaningful way. Like uh, now when I take a taxi home, to where I live from here, I go along Adelaide, it's 32 minutes. <laughs> it used to take wow. me like 10, it's 32 minutes, because all the cars yeah. are on Adelaide. Right. Going that way on Adelaide, coming back on Richmond. Right. They're just clogged up street. Listen, so it's all linked, right? So, so, uh, is it, is it, so where are those people in streetcars going? If the businesses are all closing and can't make a living because there's no people on the streets... So where, so all the chefs and all the waiters and all the busboys and all the cooks and all the bouncers, all these people that that provide uh, for their families based on these service jobs along the retail section of King Street, which is like the biggest retail section in Canada, okay, for restaurants and bars. It's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The reason why people come here as tourists, to a large extent, is for the fun part of the city. Everyone, you know, Maybe you're going for a conference, or maybe you're organizing a conference, but you don't want to do that in Minnesota or Minneapolis. Right. You want to do it in Toronto, because yeah. all the people that are coming, are like, wow, it was so fun. Toronto's a great city. Yeah. So now you kill the core of that, so there's nobody on the street, and there's nobody in the bars and restaurants. And I, it, you Just walk them down go in these restaurants. Thursday night, big, big night, two, three months ago. Right. You shoot a fucking bazooka and wouldn't hit anybody. Right. So, so is it? So it's linked. It's not enough just to give people the the ability to zip across the the above roadway. What about the reason why those people are in the streetcars? Which is because King Street is a hub, a vital financial hub for the city and a social hub and an eco, and a um, uh, a, a, tr- a tourist hub, an entertainment hub. Is vastly and very important the condo market depends on people wanting to live around here for the convenience. They don't want to go to Starbucks when there's nobody in Starbucks. They want to go there because there's other people. So it needs to be changed to accommodate the city in 2018. And then it can, it can change as we develop the idea, maybe in five years, no cars at all on King street. Maybe no cars at all then, because we've developed, maybe we have started the, uh, maybe there's a a subway in progress that we know in five or 10 years, you know, the relief line will be ready. And I I don't know, but I can tell you that this is not working and sticking your head in the sand saying, I'm not listening to everybody. It's not, it's not going to work. People are going to lose elections over this King street thing. I think it's, uh, you know, I've been, I I have uh, 80% of the people that respond to me when I, when I send out my epitaphs. Yep. are positive about what I'm saying about that. 20% are want to kill me. Right, right. <laughs> but the 20% yeah. that want to kill me aren't hearing me. Right. I'm not saying I want this. I'm not saying I want what we had. Right. I'm saying I'm okay with what we have, but just alter it so it works for the people on, like, I don't care about, car I'll take a taxi, I'll walk. I don't care for me. Right. What I care about is the bars and restaurants and yoga studios and fitness facilities that are dying. Right. And they won't be here long. You, you can't, you can't, you can't um, survive in a city for a year without revenue in a restaurant. No one, yeah. no one can do that. Hey there, me again,
0: Andrew here. Hope you're enjoying this episode. And once again, just a quick little interlude and reminder in the middle of this podcast before we get back to it. If you would like to register for our upcoming live event. Where you can hear more about why i personally am investing in television city why this is the first project i'm buying in in 2018 and you can meet brad and hear from brad as well then just go to truecondos.com live to save your spot for this live event seating is limited we don't have a large venue for this so make sure you register and save your spot right away so you're not disappointed truecondos.com live back to the interview well, um, <laughs> you're obviously very passionate about the, this subject and, and others in the 416 here in Toronto. And as you said, you've, as a result of some of these things, you're shifting focus to outside of the city. So um, let's talk about that. Let's, talk, let's get into Hamilton, Television City. You launched the first tower uh, a few months back now in the fall. So how, how was the first tower received? How did things go? Did it meet your
1: expectations? Well, I thought that we were initially going to build these two buildings in two phases. So we we're, from an engineering standpoint, trying to figure out how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and we made a decision in December that we are going to build them both at the same time. Because uh, in, in, uh, late in the year, we essentially were sold out of Tower One, uh, except for dribs and drabs of units. Um, and uh, so we are... Rushing, uh, So we actually had to change the documents because the documents are, were two phases. So we've now, so the condo fees are going to go down because now it's, it's one condo. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. So, um, and it's going to be cheaper to build because, uh, you know, we're, we're going to do it. Build them 100. together. Yeah, build them together. And, and so all the bids will, you know, when we, we go for a concrete bid or a forming bid, it's, it's based on the economies of scale being twice the size. So we should be able to save, you know, maybe $10 a square foot over the whole project. Uh, which in in, in uh, hard cost numbers is about 5% or, or so, and that's a big number. Wow. So uh, it went way, way beyond our, our expectations. Wow. And the interesting thing is we got a lot of Hamilton local people buying. We got a lot of people from Toronto, Burlington, Oakville buying too. A lot of local Toronto people that were buying condos to invest here see the beauty of that That it's half an hour or 40 minutes away. It's no further away than North Toronto. Right. Um, and, and so you can manage a condo there, and it's half price. I mean, what, what people are paying 1200 a foot for here in inferior quality in terms of the styling of the building and the finishes, they, they're going to get for 600 a foot or less there. And the rents are not half. The rents aren't half. The rents are about 65% of what they are in Toronto. And rents in Hamilton are going up because guess what? No one's building anything in Hamilton either. right.
0: Right. Yeah, so that's that's amazing. So the, you sold much faster than you thought. You're getting ready to launch phase two, and people can get ready for that. Um, curious, did you were you involved in the in the bidding at all? Was your firm involved with the bidding for the waterfront
1: um, project in Hamilton? No, I, you, you know, I don't like. I typically don't like doing government bids. They're just way too complex for me. I don't have the patience for it. I like to buy. I typically like to buy stuff. On a private nature. So someone will come to me and say, this is available. My grandfather's owned it for, you know, 50 years. Do you want to buy it? Right. Through reputation. They know me or, or through some other deal. We have Television City. We have another project at Main and uh, Margaret that we're, is designed and we're, we're going to be launching once we finished up with this. I, we have another bigger site on Main Street. Uh, we're going to call Main or the main and uh, it's going to be 300 units and then i have another tower uh downtown that's going to be 30 stories the the last two i described on main street are mid-rise okay. this will be a tower and i'm working on a, a gigantic site the private uh site that uh, will probably be a hotel if we if we buy it will be a hotel uh probably if if the rental legislation changes a big rental tower and a big condo tower and a huge amount of uh, retail, very good retail, which wow. Hamilton doesn't have a lot of right now. Wow! So you've got like beyond Television
0: City, you've got three or have, four major projects. Yeah, we have a working on
1: in your pipeline. Billion four of of uh, development in Hamilton. Like it's this stuff's going to change. It's Hamilton's a small city. It's going to really change Hamilton, and we're not the only ones. There's other guys. Yeah. Well, that's what I want to ask you about with
0: the waterfront ones particular is yeah. people, a lot of people don't realize that, um, the, 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 the city of Hamilton came up with their short list for the developers. And it's basically like a who's who of major Toronto developers are the finalists for, you know, your Daniels, your great golf, your Tridells, all these major builders are the finalists for this waterfront revitalization project, multi-phase, you know, type of a project. Yeah. Um, you know, so and what, by the way, that's so
1: great for Hamilton to have those guys there. The, the world, they're world class yeah. uh, developers with a huge experience in infrastructure. And uh, sorry to interrupt you, but uh, but also they have massive investor uh, like Tridel can sell a project on the moon even before they, <laughs> they bring it out. They've got enough, yeah. and and uh, they, you know they've sold uh, probably sixty thousand homes. Yeah, I don't know exactly the number, but it's a vast number in fifty years or forty years, and and so what's great about that is the success is going to be instantaneous. So they will sell they'll sell those to the general public, but but they'll also sell a lot to investors. And what's great about that is the the general public will go, wow, what's going on here, and they'll jump on board. And so you'll have a really vibrant uh, real estate economy where people from all over southwestern Ontario are going to come, and that city is going to change. And this is what people need to understand. This is ground zero right now. Right. This is like... They're not there yet. These big names are no, not there it, yet. it hasn't happened yet. And they're going to need to be 600 or whatever foot, 650 foot. What, what's exciting is that people today can buy... It's like buying in Toronto at 200 a foot. Remember the days when real estate was two. I don't know if you do, but when <laughs> Toronto was 200 a foot. My first condo was, I think, about two, 229. And you probably thought, wow, that's... that's <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe 200 steep. would be yeah. fair, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so these are the days in Hamilton right now where you're going to look like a genius. Yeah. If you buy in Hamilton now, you're going to look really yeah. smart because, uh, the stuff that's happening there, uh, is going to, is going to change the, the environment and really make, uh, uh really put that city on the map, um, uh, financially, economically. Right. Now I, I think local Hamiltonians may not be so happy with what happens with pricing, but, but, uh, you know, those houses that are selling for $400,000, they are going to be $800,000 in like seven or eight years. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I really believe that. I think when,
0: when you know, when the broader public, the broader, in, you know, condo investor public of, of the GTA sort of realizes that the big boys, so to speak, the, the major developers that we talked about, are they have their eyes on Hamilton, and they're, you know, sort of lurking behind the scenes. I mean, maybe you can speak to like when you go and bid for these sites, like, are you like, you've been watching Hamilton for a number of years. Like, was it a case where no, but none of the big developers were looking at sites a few years back. And now you're, you're going in for bids
1: and you and you find out who you're competing against. And it's, well, some of the sites that we looked at have been kicked around by, you know, Daniel's and these different companies. They just weren't ready to do it. Like corporations like that don't run the way my, like, my business is run by me. Right. I make the decisions. Right. I go myself, I check it, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I make my decisions on a napkin, right? right? Companies like Great Golf and Tridell are enormous multi-billion dollar companies now. At right. some point in the future, we'll probably be like that too. We won't be so entrepreneurial. Mm. But, you know, uh, so I don't need to have studies done, traffic right. studies. I'll stand there for an hour and look around and go, a lot of fucking cars driving by, a lot of cars. <laughs> You know, right. I, So I, I really make a lot of my decisions by personally feeling the city and getting a sense of it right. and talking to people. Right. Uh, and, and I read everything I, I can, so I try to get information that way. But we don't have an internal uh, marketing department that studies the stats of a city, and you know, we don't do that stuff. Um, but, but here's the thing. Uh, we did a whole uh, uh, presentation for investors on, on this uh, Hamilton uh, thing we're doing. And the thing I found the most interesting was, was price growth. So we had the Toronto average price growth chart. Uh, the, since 1965, an average of 8.1% compounded on average price, 8.1%. Okay. And, and, uh, and then we took Hamilton, and the chart is, is it's the same chart. Minus like an inch, if you know what I mean. Right. It's so, just so, a gap. So yeah. It's just a gap of average price. Right. But it follows, so the average price went up in Hamilton in the same period of time, 7.7%. So, so Almost you, exact same. So you can buy a condo in Toronto for 1200 a foot, yeah. or you can buy a condo in Hamilton for 600 a foot, half price. The condo will go up 8.1% over the next, four, I'm just saying statistically, the Toronto condo will go up 8.1% over the next 40 years and the Hamilton one go 7.7%. Right. There's no difference. Yeah. <laughs> Except your down payment, right? right? If you're scrapping, you know, 15% of of 5 or 600,000, which is a starter apartment in Toronto, is almost 100 grand. You got to come up with 100 grand versus yes. 50,000 in Hamilton to achieve the same returns on your money. Right? Right? right. You have to be crazy. Uh, to not see the value there. Now, I know people will buy in Toronto. Toronto's a great city and we're going to have price growth. It's not stopping here. We may have a hiccup in a few years, but it's not stopping here. But I just think Hamilton is an absolute no-brainer. And that's what your listeners should really think about, is that it's the same thing. Your dollar does the same thing. It doesn't matter. Right. A dollar is a dollar.
0: Uh, Eight percent is eight percent. But yeah, the reality is, like you said, more and more people are just they're just priced out of Toronto. Uh, you want to you want to invest in something. Maybe you're you're making your first investment as a condo investor. Maybe you've got four or five units. You want to add another one, but not a lot of people have a hundred grand just lying around to, to get into the now the entry level yeah. downtown Toronto condo. You need about a hundred grand. Uh, you know, twenty percent on uh, on five hundred
1: thousand. You'll know, think about this. If you make a hundred thousand a year, you're netting about fifty you have expenses, you'll be lucky to save 10,000 a year. So it could take you nine or 10 years right. with interest to get 100,000. You start that at 25, at 35 you can buy your first place. Maybe at 45 you can buy your first investment property. This is a slow process, it is a slow process. You can't get rich in real estate overnight. But I'll tell you, you can get lucky if you're in the market. And you know, we, we have a building uh, that we're just finishing up called Harlow. And I was looking at the prices the other day to see what people bought these at. I couldn't remember. It was four years ago. Right. It was five fifty a foot was what we launched them at. Right. And the last sale we did was at 1200 a foot. Right. So someone who bought an 800-square-foot apartment has made uh, uh, about $560 a square foot. That's $500,000. Right. So they're, they're 70, uh, they're, they're 15%, they're 100 yeah. and whatever thousand dollars. Is now six hundred and some thousand dollars. That a lot of people could retire on six. I, I often read the Globe and Mail on the Saturdays. People want to retire. I, you know, six hundred thousand is all I need. A million dollars, I need to have a pension, or whatever. I, that's I just need that as a to, to accompany my, my old age pension and my company pension and my RSP. Right. One, One condo. Bought four yeah. years ago in Toronto, <laughs> and you can fucking retire. That might be you. Yeah. So th- yeah. this is what people need to understand: the money you can make in this business is yeah. insane. It's not. An in-and-out kind of thing, it's the long term. Take a 25-year look at it. But it's where your money should be going. I I feel extremely uh, strongly about that, and I wish more people would do it. What would you say
0: to the person who says, look, Toronto, like you said, all these supply restrictions and constraints that are driving prices up, they're driving rents up. Um, It seems to me that that investing in Toronto is just a a surefire thing. Why would I want to go outside of Toronto and invest in Hamilton, uh, instead of Toronto. I mean, we talked about just the sheer affordability aspect of it, but how else do you look at
1: that? Well, it's, so the way I look at it is of course I, of course I would rather invest in the city I live in. It's easier to get your rent and you know, the city, but, um, if, if it, it's, it's like, uh, it's like buying, uh, you know, if you have a thousand dollars to buy stock, um, You know, and you can buy one share of uh, Warren Buffett's uh, company at $1,000 a share, Mm -hmm. which might be the right move, I don't know. Or you can (laughs) buy 1,000 shares at a dollar. Right. Sometimes buying 1,000 shares at a dollar makes more sense than one share at $1,000. And so, but, but if they both rise, by 10%, if, if Warren Buffett gives us 12% uh, mm-hmm. increase a year and, and uh, your mining stock does the same thing, money is green, it's money, right. it doesn't matter. Right. So, so why Hamilton makes sense is that it is a growth story, there's a huge amount of growth coming and happening in Hamilton, but you're gonna make as much money, but you need less to start. Mm-hmm. So where it makes sense is if you have, uh, if you're scratching a way to get into the marketplace here and you have to wait another two or three years, so, cause you don't have a hundred thousand. So, it, you know, right. in, in two or three years, it's not going to be 1200 a foot. It's going to be 1350 a foot or 1300 a foot. Right. And you're going to lose pace. And then what's going to happen, you get demoralized because you can never get the hundred. It's not a hundred, then it's 120 and it's 125 and you can never get in the marketplace. And right. then it's going to, I'm a tenant for life. So this is an opportunity where let's say you rent here, you can buy that and rent it and not move but at some point in five or 10 years you can sell it and then maybe you can buy in Toronto with a 10% deposit. Right, right? It's a way of getting in the market where you can't get in the market here. Right. And I'd also say it's far more risky to buy in Toronto at 1,200 a foot than Hamilton at 600 a foot.
0: Interesting. You see, even though we talked about all the factors that are contributing to Toronto's continued growth, you see it as a lower risk to actually
1: go to say Hamilton outside the city. Oh, absolutely. I mean, do you, know how much, do, you know, do you know how much a development site costs now in Toronto? A development site in Toronto, this is how risky it is. And I'll also tell you what the average cost is for us. So a development site, they've been trading at 260 a buildable foot. The site next to uh, uh, the bowling alley uh, on um, Peter and, is it, John, uh, and, and Adelaide, you know where the fire station is? Okay, yeah. Okay, so there's a parking lot. Entertainment district, yeah. Right, right. I think it's Peter and, and, uh, and, uh, and Adelaide. Anyway, this, it's like the last parking lot there. 28,000 square feet. 28,000 square feet, unzoned. And uh, you're going to have a bitch of a time rezoning that with the city, let me tell you. It just sold for $110 million. Wow. $110 million. You know, that parking lot would have sold 30 years ago, 25 years ago, for a million five. Right. That uh, 100x.: Yeah. And, and I can tell you that if, if you buy a, a development site today that has 200,000 feet of density approved by the city, you could sell that for 52, or sorry, uh, uh, yeah, 200,000 feet, you can sell for 52 to 54 million dollars. That's 260 a foot. And when I started uh, developing, it would have cost me five million. So our wow. cost now for land. So this is what your listeners need to understand right. At two sixty a foot for land. Width, that's the new number that's a that's a, a number we that's a that's a number that's that we use on uh on a sellable square footage okay mm-hmm. uh, so, oh, sorry on GFA you need to reduce it uh the square footage because you can't build Gross floor area. You, you have to. It's about an 85% efficiency. So our industry just, we just always do our land prices on GFA, not RSI, okay. which is the sellable part. So you have to divide that number by 0.85. Mm-hmm. So 260 is now 305. Okay. Okay. So yeah. before you do anything, you're at 305 a foot. Now the city just started. Just is is we're going through some new uh, levies in the city. Yep. A one bedroom is now. $21,000 It's going to 37,000 going up big time. Yeah. Okay. So on average, because the two bedrooms are going up to almost 50,000. So an average of say, if you half and half ones and twos, you got about 40,000 a unit. Now, if you have 200, say 300 units, right. That's what's the number. It's massive. Mm-hmm. It's like eight, eight, eight million dollars, something like that. So sure. at $8 million yeah. to your, <clears throat> to your number, that's another $40 a foot just in that one thing. Then just there's parks levies. There's Section 37 levies. There's water levies. It, it's, it goes on and on and on. Your, 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 city ta- your city costs alone are about 100 bucks a foot. So now you're at 405 Your hard cost now is 300 a foot for gross construction area. Gross construction area includes everything above grade. You have, to, you have to divide that by 0.7. So that's about 400 a foot. So now we're at $800 a foot. You have to add on soft costs. Soft costs are about $150 a foot. You're at $950 a foot. Now you also have to add on tax, HST, which is about 6%. 1000 a foot is the cost. Just cost, yeah. That's the cost. So, so developers are like, uh, okay, 1000 a foot for cost here or, or 400 a foot. Or four fifty a foot in Hamilton. What is a safer, re- more right. reasonable place to work? Right. If your cost is a thousand a foot and you're getting twelve hundred, your margins stink. And right. so that's what's happening in the city. It's becoming, it's like New York City. Got like, you know, you need fourteen, fifteen hundred a foot to make money. That's that's. So the number is just going to get higher and higher and higher. And the risk for developers is going to higher and higher and higher. And I think, I think that as a, as a investor. I think we're going to completely decouple from rent and price. I right. don't think you'll be able to buy an apartment here and rent anything close to covering. Right. in Hamilton, you can. So what does an investor want? An investor wants to get in the market, they want to carry their, their debt with the rent, mm-hmm. and they want to make an 8% return a year like in Toronto. Hamilton's where it
0: Hamilton, can you can do it. That's Hamilton, It's like you're turning back the clock, and when you're buying in Hamilton today, it's like you're, you're getting similar numbers and returns like you are getting in Toronto maybe 10 years ago. But, uh, it is the
1: single best place in Ontario to invest. I think it's the best, the best place in Ontario. It's better than Ottawa. It's better than London or any of the cities to the west. It's better than anything in the peninsula. Um, it's, it's. I think the most uh, vibrant market outside of Toronto, and with the least amount of risk. There's always risk, but it's got the least amount of risk. I think.
0: It's great, Brad. Thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Um, if people want to learn more about you and television city and, and things. What's, what's your website again, your main website, Toronto, yeah, Toronto is your, com is your, is your main site. Yeah. And yeah, I think right. uh television city dot CA, I believe is uh, your, yeah,
1: uh, you is, know what is I your official know site. Stuff, Anyways,
0: we'll, yeah. we'll find We'll get it up. If you Google television city <laughs> Toronto or television city, Hamilton, yeah.
1: you'll find it quite easily.
0: We'll get it up there, but yeah. thank you so much, Brad, for your time. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. And uh, looking forward to continuing to work with you on Television City and other projects.
1: Okay, thanks. Thanks for listening to the True Condos podcast. Remember, your positive reviews make a big difference to the show. To learn more about condo investing, become a True Condos subscriber by visiting truecondos.com.